G'day guys, <clears throat> g'day guys, how you going? Uh, welcome to episode number 65 of the Average Man Podcast You're my best friend <clears throat> um, Yeah, I love that, I love that song, I love Queen And uh, aptly named this week because um, basically Friday night I had to put down my best friend, my dog, my boy Casper um, So yeah man, I'm not going to have a huge a huge podcast this week. I'm feeling a little bit flat. I don't want to um, drag everybody down with me, but at the same time, I, you know, I had a few things to to get off off my chest, and um, this is one of the ways that I like to do it. So, um, basically, anybody that listens to the podcast or follows me on social media even would already know that this has this has been coming and that it's happened. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you'd know that it's happened. If you follow me. Uh, the podcast, you probably would have heard that my dog has been sick for a while. Um, I had two dogs. He was the um, the OG, the original. Uh, we got him 13 years ago, so I think he would have been 13 in, in March. I'm pretty sure he was born in March. And um, it's just, yeah, it's always shit, really, isn't it? Uh, losing a dog, they're part of the family, and... And yeah, man, he'd been he'd been there for for a long, long time. Um, me, me and my wife had been together for a couple of years when we got him, and we got Casper named Casper because he was pretty much all white. So Casper, the friendly ghost, and um, basically he was. Uh, I started working underground, uh, doing FIFO for a little bit when we were building our house to get a bit of extra cash to finish off the house, and. Um, yeah, we, we got Casper to help look after Ems and look after the house while I was away. That was his job, and he did a bloody good job of it too. And, um, yeah, and then he was just there for everything, you know. I was always a, a one-dog kind of guy, um, but my wife wanted more pets. She wanted, um, when we moved to, well, we got a bird before we left Perth, Costa. He was a pretty pretty cool dude. Um and then we left Perth in 2011 to head up to the Pilbara, a week after our wedding, by the way. So me and Em's got married in March, March the 26th of 2011, and um, jumped in the car a week later and headed up to Port Hedland. We already had jobs secured, you know, so there was no honeymoon for us. We had no money. We were broke asses. Jumped in the car and drove up to Port Hedland, my old patrol, uh, Nissan Patrol Ute, single cab. So me... And M's in the front with Casper sitting in between us and the bird Costa sitting on the back of the chair. That's how we rolled up here. Um, and yeah, the dude, he didn't relax pretty much the half the trip. He was moving around, leaving hair everywhere and farting away. And <clears throat> it was a nice, comfortable trip up here. Uh, I remember we st- I remember we stayed at a caravan park in Carnarvon on the way through, um, a pet-friendly caravan park, and he stayed outside uh, we were on the way up and, and um, well, for about half the night till I went out to do a piss and he was by the by the sliding door sort of shivering in yeah, I don't know if it was, it was fear but he wasn't loving it, the situation there was frogs everywhere and there was like cricket uh, uh, the grasshoppers sorry grasshoppers and shit like just bugs everywhere at this place place with seething with them and they're all hanging around him bugs flying into the light outside and shit and he was hanging around by the sliding door like let me in i'm not liking it so we let him in he slept inside that this little little um donger thing for the rest of the night with us and he was like that man he was a weird dude old casper um shit could freak him out pretty easy 
he had a neurotic sort of personality um, as well. So uh, it took us a while to, to get our heads around him and how he, he he worked, how his personality was. And, you know, he, he wanted to be inside with us, hanging out all the time, but he just wasn't an inside dog. He could never relax. He'd be walking around in circles, pacing. He'd sit there licking his paws or licking the carpet while watching TV or whatever. Or he'd just follow you around the house and get under your feet and shit. And he could never, ever relax. Uh, he he was he was always in a good place when he was at the beach or um, out camping something like that outdoors you know he was an outdoors kind of dog I had friends with some property and shit like that and you take him up there for the weekend and hang out and he was a different dog altogether but in in close quarters inside where he kind of wanted to be with us all the time he was just no good man he was a nightmare so we drove up with him in 2011 and got up to the Pilbara. And yeah, it was just the three of us for a little while. Uh, sorry, the four of us. We had the bird, and then um, my wife started going on about a cat. She wanted a cat, um, and we found a cat at the vet, South Headland vet, and um, brought him home. It was pretty easy to convince, I guess. We brought him home, and suddenly we had a cat, a dog, and a bird. Um, and the cat was Monty. Monty's a dude. Again, if you follow me on social media, Monty features on there quite often. Um, he's he's sort of fairly well known around the place. He's the kind of cat that uh, that people that don't like cats like. He thinks he's a bit of a dog. And him and Cash were pretty good mates at first. Um, and yeah, as I said, that that was. There was three of us then, so I, I kind of resisted a little bit because I was always just happy with having the one dog. But Em's wanted a cat, so we got the cat. And then time went by, she started getting, and it wasn't even that long, a couple of months went by, and she started getting um, itchy feet again and wanted uh, another pet, she wanted a dog. And I was like, oh, okay, righto. Um, I've never had two dogs, I grew up my whole life with just having one dog at a time. I had a dog um, when I was, basically when I was born, Coco, we had her for 13 years, she died when I was 13. And then we had a family dog, you know, six months or something later, um, Ginger, who lived through till about three or four years ago, maybe four years ago. Um, you know, and Em's grew up with having multiple dogs. So, I thought, oh, okay, I'll go. Well, I, I gave in. This is, you know, happy wife, happy life. That's what they say. So, um, it's a trick, by the way. It doesn't work. You can't make them happy. No, sorry, just joking. Um, so, happy wife, happy life. So, we gave in. We got the second dog through safe. So, she was a rescue dog. And then all of a sudden we had two dogs. And then um, the dog, the new dog, Lily, she ended up knocking the cage over and, and um, the, the bird got out. So then we were down to, to the three again. And then eventually Ems wanted a cat. So we ended up getting another cat. First of all, she brought one home from work when she was doing home nursing. And that cat didn't last too long. Got run over, squashed. Uh, and then I went to Caratha and got another cat through safe for her, who we still have now. So we we had Casper, Lily, that's the dog, the two dogs, black and white, salt and pepper, and then Monty and Jazz, the two cats. Um, yeah, man. And then we started having kids. We tried for a while to have kids, and we had kids. We had Shady first, and then we had Heidi, and you know built this whole family up. But Casper was the OG man, and um, you know back in the day when I just had the one dog. Even when we had one dog and one cat, Casper used to come to work with me. He was a work dog. You know, he'd come, if I came to your house for a barbecue or for a beer or for dinner or something like that, Casper was there. You know, if I, I went to the beach, Casper was there. If I went anywhere, basically, that wasn't like a specific, um, 
location that he couldn't take a dog, he he was there. And that was the kind of relationship we had, man. He was my he was my best mate. Um and he was there, he did everything with us. And I loved having a dog like that. And like I said, he was a weird dude, man. Um he was obsessed with the ball, like completely obsessed with it. So he was like he was sold to us. Only dog I've ever bought through a and all I've ever bought through a pet shop. It was sold to us through a pet shop as a Staffy Cross Lab. And he had some Staffy in him, had some Labrador in him, had some Kelpie in him too, for sure. So he had that sheepdog, uh, that Kelpie sort of mentality um, about chasing the ball and, and, and that work dog sort of uh, energy level where he always wanted to go, he always wanted to be doing something. So he just loved chasing the ball, man. Um, and, yeah, so so – Taking him with me everywhere we went, it was just cool having a dog like that. He was a weird guy, man, and he, and he always had this way of making people throw the fucking ball for him. If anyone anyone knew him, man, he, he you didn't want to throw it anymore, but you, you just find yourself all of a sudden talking in conversation. You dropped it at your feet again, you pick it up, and you throw the ball. And you're like, oh, damn it, he got me again, man. And he'd go all night, man. We had him back in the day when we were partying still, so we'd be going till two, three, four, five in the morning and he was there at the table you know, the whole time dropping a ball for someone, getting someone to throw him a ball or a toy. He had these sausages he used to flick around and go crazy with out in the backyard, these plastic sausages. And he was just that kind of dude, man. Um, real grumpy with other animals and shit, didn't like people getting in his personal space. Um, and just super, super loyal, man. Just a real good, good, good dog, man. Um, you know, and... <sighs> He, um, he he started getting – well, he, he started having trouble going to the toilet last year, so I took him to the vet and um, she did an examination on, on him and, and um, found that he had a tumour on his prostate and, and asked me what we wanted to do. I said I didn't want to do treatment on it. You know, I knew that he'd hate that and um, I'd always said that I wanted him to, to just have a full life and to go out you know, the way he lived his life, just to go out 100 miles an hour. Like it, I wanted it to be quick and not drawn out and I've seen that happen with dogs before and it's not great, you know. So I didn't want that to be the way he went out. Um, so we didn't do all the blood tests and, and the, um, the imaging of it and uh, all that kind of shit. Just said, okay, well, let's manage symptoms and just see how he goes from here and see, you know, how long we can get him... Um, how long he can keep going with a good quality of life basically was the the target and the vet wouldn't give me a time frame this was in like no October I think last year and November maybe and she kind of I was kind of telling her I really wanted him to make it through to Christmas because uh, we were going down you know down south for a few weeks I wanted him to come and have one more family trip away with us um, you know, we went on a camping trip as well and, and she wasn't really too committal about how, how far she thought he would like, how long she thought he would last, but he lasted through Christmas. He lasted for, you know, three months of this year. I got him on the CBD oil. He was on a painkiller each night. He was on a laxative every single day to make sure he didn't get blocked up because that was the big problem. The tumor pushing on his bowels made the gap where he could shit through kind of quite small. Um, so he had to keep his you know, his poo soft so he can keep going. So he was on a laxative every day. Um, he had a painkiller at night to help with the pain and things like that, which probably helped with all his sore joints and shit as well because he was getting older and a bit slower. Um, and it lasted a lot longer than we thought. He had a few bad days here and there where I thought, oh, no, this is it. He's going downhill. Oh, you know, you know, it's going to happen soon. And then he would come back. He'd bounce back and he'd be happy again and running around. And, and yeah, we just really wanted to make sure he, he – um, 
we didn't let it go too long and he wasn't in pain because dogs are so damn tough, man. Normally by the time you can tell that they're in a lot of pain, like it's probably pretty, pretty bad for him. So I just kept a good close eye on him. And um, he's been really super happy this, you know, this whole time. Getting slower, getting a little bit more senile. His hearing was going and shit. people would rock up and he wouldn't realise people were there. You know, because he's a big, like, run up to the gate and bark at people as they come to the gate. I'm going to bow you up kind of dude. And then you open the door and he all runs off and grabs a ball, wants you to throw it for him. Just just a, an intense, full-on, active kind of dog, man. And um, that started to all slow down. People would get to the front door before he realised they were there and he'd get quite upset and run up and bail them up, you know, because they kind of surprised him sort of thing, you know. That started happening a lot more and... Um, but he was still happy, you know, we'll still take him to the beach and he's swimming for the ball. And I started, you know, about a year ago, I stopped him coming on runs with me on the on the pavement. Only would let, let him chase the ball on the grass or preferably even more lately would just be taking him to the beach and throw the ball in the water. So it was no impact and he was not getting too hot. You know, he hates the summer, man. It's too hot for him up here. So, yeah, he spent a lot of time sitting in his air-conditioned kennel up, uh, through this through, through this summer. And, yeah, just managing him and, and keeping him happy. But, yeah, he, he sort of stopped eating two days earlier. So on, on the Wednesday night he didn't eat, Thursday night he didn't, he didn't eat, and, th- and Friday I took him to the vet. And basically she did another examination of him and said it was getting a lot – it had got a fair bit bigger and that he was, you know, going to have trouble going to the toilet from now on. And the thing is he might not even need to go. He's walking around trying to trying to do a shit all day, you know, every every – 10 minutes he's walking off and trying to do a poo and that might he might not have even needed to it's just that it feels like he did because the tumor was pushing on his on his bowels you know so he was getting uncomfortable man it was at that point for him you know um and that's what we didn't want to do we didn't want to drag him out man so um yeah we i said look i think this is probably the, the the time that we've been waiting for. We knew it was coming. It was happening. This is the, other, the vet had told me that he was going to stop eating, stop going to the toilet. And that's probably when the end was going to come for him. So this was it. We had to make the decision. So I said, okay, look, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll put him down. And the vet said, okay, I, I agree with that decision. I think that's the right decision to make. And I was really happy with the way she went about it too. She didn't guilt us into doing that. She didn't tell us, oh, he's, this is what's happening. I think you should put him down. She just t- gave us the facts let us make the decision and then said, oh, I think that I think that that's the right decision. Um, I said, but I don't – she said, do you want to do that now? And I said, no, I don't want to do it right now. Um, I said, can we book him in later? And she said, I've got a you know, 5.30 appointment. You can have it. I said, yeah, I'd prefer to take him home and take him down the beach and let him see the other dog and all that kind of stuff first. <clears throat> so we did that, man. I took him home. Ems had met me at the vet. We took him home, got – uh, picked up Lily, our other dog, and we went down the beach with them both, down the spore bank. We loved it there, man. We spent a lot of afternoons um, down the spore bank chasing the ball and having a beer and watching the sunset and all that kind of shit. So we went down the, the spore bank and it was, you know, just me, Ems, and the two dogs, which was nice because we've always got the kids with us lately. And, and as great as that is, it, it sometimes it, it it's hard to give anyone – uh, a, a certain amount of attention when it's spread so thin. So just to have just me and M's there and just the two dogs and um, just throwing the ball for him, it was really, really nice, you know, without the distraction of the kids whinging and wanting this and wanting that and playing and showing you this and showing you that. And, you know, it was it was good to just have that time with the dogs and, and Lily really just, just does whatever Casper does. So really just being able to do what he wanted to do. 
and he was a bit slow and 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 um took him a little while to get into it but he, then he started chasing the ball swimming for it and um you know I didn't let him go as much as he wanted to because he would just keep going and going and going until his, he throws up you know he used to he used to drink so much salt water from chasing the ball he'd throw up and sometimes he'd get the squirts as well and I didn't let him go that far I just threw it a few times for him you know we were there for maybe 40 minutes or something and then um yeah, threw him in the car and brought him home, gave him a nice big wash, washed him down, you know, cleaned him up a little bit, um, give him a good brush down with the dog brush and, and then give him a double dose of, of his uh, painkiller because his, you know, this painkiller is on, it's quite intense and quite bad for their livers and kidney function and things like that. So it's not something you'd give a dog if they, you know, on a long-term basis if they weren't sort of on the way out anyway. So, you know, I gave him a double dose of that, which is just a whole tablet. He's on a half a tablet a day. And, you know, within about an hour, he, he sort of started perking up because he'd had the, the painkiller double dose. So he's feeling probably pretty, pretty bloody good. Um, you know, and, and he started eating that afternoon, went and bought him a whole chicken at the shops and we're just giving him nice, you know, nice um, hot chicken. He was loving it and he was inside, wanted to, we had a little toy, wanted to, wanted to throw the toy for him. He's running around sort of being his old self again. So on one hand, it's kind of hard to take him to the vet, you know, for his impending death appointment that he had booked. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I know it's just because of the painkiller and he still was struggling to poo whenever we took him outside and stuff like that. So he, 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 it was definitely the right decision, but he got to go out on top, you know. He went out on a good day. He had a swim at the beach with his sister. He got to see the neighbours and my brother and the kids. Everyone gave him a cuddle and a pat and got some nice, you know, treats gave him the hot chicken as much as he sort of wanted I didn't give him as much as he wanted I didn't want him to feel sick sick and throw up but he got heaps of hot chicken and you know he he went in there with just me and Ems my brother watched the kids and we took him in and he he got to walk into the vet and and um I got to carry him out you know because I didn't I didn't want him going in there on on the worst day I didn't want to leave it so late that it was just oh he's 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 absolutely fucked we're gonna go put him down now look how much pain he's in like I didn't want it to get to that um, you know, there was other factors at play that helped us make the decision and he got to go in there on a, on a good day, man, and, and that's how he got to end his life and that's how we get to remember him as well, which was, I think, a, a good way to do it, you know. And I've said to a few people that my the first dog we had put down, my, my, my childhood dog, Coco, I was 13 years old when we got her put down and, and I went to the vet with my dad and I didn't I didn't go in the room with her when she got put down. Um, because I was too young and scared, I guess, and, and I always, always regretted that. Not one, not big one for regrets, but I, I, that always stayed with me, you know, and I got to make that uh, right with Casper. I got to go in the room with him and I gave him a sedative and I lifted him onto his little towel and blanket that we had there for him and laid him down and just got to pat his head as he slowly drifted off and, you know, into semi-consciousness and patted him and patted him and... I was looking right in his eyes, you know, and it was, you know, I got to be right there for him the whole way out, man, which was for me and I think for him really the best way to, to do that, man. You know, he'd, <clears throat> he, he, as much as they love us, he was a family dog and all that, you know, he was, he was, he was my dog, man. He, he loved, he really, really loved me. So I'm really glad I got to be there for like that right to the end and I got to pick him up afterwards. And carry him to the car and you know held him on my lap until we got home and 
we let the other dog sniff his body and the cat too, Monty, cause, uh, so that they knew what was happening and what let the kids see me put him into the ground. Um, but they didn't see his actual body. He was wrapped up by that stage. I let the dog, I um, wrapped him so the dogs, the do- other dog, Lily could sniff him, and then let the kids see me lift, lift him, and put him into the into the hole. And we all threw a toy in there for him and, and buried him, just so everybody could really get that closure and understand what was going on. So it was a good, as far as these kind of things go, it was a good a good send off, man. And I'm really happy about that, you know. And then now we just get to, to, to think back and remember all the good times and the good stories about him. And, um, yeah. And if anybody's still listening, <laughs> I don't expect you to really. This one's more for me. Um, but I appreciate it. It's really good to just get it all out, you know, cathartic, just to get it all out there, man. And I'm sure other people have been through the same thing and know what it feels like. And, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a break from the other shit that's going on. And, and I guess I should address that. A little bit too. Um, coronavirus, COVID nineteen is fucking everywhere. It's all anybody's talking about. Obviously, the whole world's on shutdown. You know, international travels done. Um, flying into states going to be done very soon, um, except for essential travel. You know, all holidays are cancelled. All training for companies and things like that's cancelled. Non-essential gatherings of more than 100 inside are cancelled. More than 500 outside, that's all cancelled. Music festivals, sports events, they're playing to empty arenas. People, it's like the apocalypse is coming. People are grabbing all the fucking tissues and toilet paper and hand wash and baked beans and bread just stocking up at home and it's just fucking crazy. They're, They're talking about... Social isolation and fucking, yeah, all non-essential gatherings being cancelled and just, uh, yeah, it's a crazy, crazy time and everybody knows all about it. I don't want to harp on about it. Um, I did a whole podcast about it last week and um, I guess first of all I should um, address that and say, look man, you got to admit when you're, when you're wrong. Uh, I had a lot of my projections and opinions about it were um, understated but uh, nobody knew where this was going to go a week ago. That's crazy. That was only a week ago. Um, last Saturday, I was still talking about going to Bali. I was supposed to fly to Bali yesterday. Obviously, that's all cancelled. And good timing too, man. Um, you know, wouldn't have wanted to fly out to go on a holiday the day after my dog had died and leave my other dog behind for a week on her own, like with a house sitter. It would have been fucking terrible timing. So, you know, good timing for us, really, when you look at it. And I've accepted it now. Um yeah, but nobody saw it coming to this. I mean, I mean, just the world shut down. Los Angeles is on lockdown. New York's been on lockdown for a while. Plenty of other cities around the world, countries around the world are on lockdown. People are just staying at home for any, you know, all non-essential retail outlets, cafes, pubs, bars, all that kind of shit. They're all restaurants are all shutting down. It's just, oh, it's a crazy, crazy time man you know for a virus it's really really crazy so I guess my take on it is that um, from the government's and the media's standpoint is um, they're not giving us a lot of helpful information there's a lot of um, fear driven information out there Um, there's a lot of don't do this don't do that stay at home wash your hands Socially, social distancing, um, no non-essential gatherings, all this kind of shit, but there's not a whole lot of this is what you do 
if you come sick. This is um, this is a guidelines to follow for the specific symptoms you might um, you might uh, suffer from if you have COVID nineteen. Um, this is the age group you should be um, self isolating in. This is the age group and the conditions you might have that you would need to get yourself to a doctor. These are the kind of things you want to stock up on: panadols, you know. Um, uh, decongestion medicines, plenty of water, things like that. Um, you know, practical advice, uh, projections for the future on when the vaccine is going to be ready. Like, no, the health department, the health industry are getting updates on the practical side of things, and the the, the general public through the media and through the government really aren't getting much except just the, the fear driven stuff. And that's what's disappointing to me. I think you're going to shut the whole world down, tell people they can't fly anywhere, they can't go anywhere, they can't catch up, this is cancelled, that's cancelled, it's all doom and gloom. Like, where's the actual updates on the practical things that people can be doing and, and um, you know, trying to trying to gain gather some of that fear sort of in a little bit and just give us information? Where's all that? Don't see a whole lot of that going on at the moment, just telling people they can't do this and they can't do that and expecting them to act correctly. Um, so, yeah, I guess... The only thing that we can do is people who are level-headed and people who are willing to get the correct information from the, the proper sources um, firsthand rather than guess, listen to second-hand, third-hand parties, um, listen to what the media says, listen to what social media says, listen to what the general consensus is. Like if people get their own information, the actual, the actual statistics, um, and then try and be the voice of reason where there isn't one. I guess that's all we can do. Um right now just to try and rein in some of that fear and the irrationality that's going on so yeah I guess that's guess that's all I've really got to say and like I said I don't want to harp on about it man people I'm not a specialist fuck me I'm just another dude who's who's stuck in the same boat as everybody else but I think that people who are reason who are level headed and who are reasonable should be at least using their platform to put a bit of um rational thinking and uh, um, some rational thinking and some some actual level-headed advice and ideas out there and and we can try and combat the hysteria uh, on the ground level because the government and the media aren't doing anything about it to help us. So that's where I am on it. I don't want to go into it too much. I've written nothing down this week at all. Um, I just wanted to... I didn't even know what I was going to talk about. I didn't think I'd talk about my dog dying for... Nearly 20 minutes. I apologise for that, for that. I know that probably dragged on a fair bit there. Again, if anybody listened through it, appreciate it. Um, I had to get it off my chest. And next week, it'll be business as usual. Um, I'll have something else to talk about. And, and um, I'll always miss my boy. Um, but I'll deal with that pro- you know, in my own way. And I just felt that this week it was something that I really, really had to talk about and, and get off my chest, man. I know other people go through the same kind of thing. It's funny because you think it's just, you know, he's not that it's just a dog, but at the same time, there's this weird feeling you get when you are such so affected by the death of a dog. But man, they can be close. They can become our best mates. They really can. And he really was. He really was my best mate. Followed me everywhere. And then now other dog mate. She's so depressed. She she was obsessed with him. She just followed him everywhere, did everything he did. She never chased the ball. She never she, she chased him. That was her game. That was what she was into. Um, just she would get anxious if you took him out of the yard for twenty minutes without her, or vice versa. You know, and now he's dead. 
and she's depressed. She's been inside with us the whole weekend, just lying around, not moving. She's really not herself, and and that she's going to go through her own grieving process, man. So we've got her to look after now, and she gets her chance to be top dog and to be the favourite for once, because you know she was always second fiddle to him and that's just kind of the way that, that that played out so she gets a chance to be the top dog for a little while now and I'm sure she'll settle into that role as the weeks come as the weeks go on and we'll all settle in back in you know that's the that's the the best thing and the worst thing about death is that life goes on you never forget them but you know you sometimes feel um, like you're dishonouring their memory by just getting on with life. That's what you do, man. You don't roll over and die when someone else does. You just got to grieve, uh, tell tell their story, remember, remember them, and and try and laugh at the good memories and get on with it. So that's what we're gonna do as the weeks come on. So again, I'm sorry for the depressing podcast, and I'm sorry that I talked about my dog for 20 minutes, but um, that is what it is. Maybe it was a good little um uh break from fucking coronavirus for you. But we'll be back on next week. I hope to have something completely unrelated to talk to you about. Maybe look at work at getting a guest on here next weekend. We'll um, make sure we sit a metre and a half away from each other. Um, yeah, I had a few little jokes and shit lined up this week, but yeah, I didn't quite feel like feel like rolling them out. But um, yeah, anyway, um, I'll, um, I'm going to just go <laughs> gonna go and have a drink and chill out and i just i feel like i had to keep the consistency up with this and clear my head a little bit and, and um yeah anyway take it deal take it easy everybody you know just um try not to be a dickhead buy things that you need don't be selfish um don't be selfish by buying up all the fucking tissues and toilet paper and sanitary products don't be selfish by um you know, going to high-risk places or going on aeroplanes and shit and then going back into the workforce if you're, you know, the hospital or at the schools and things like that. Just try and um, do your little bit to um, help limit the spread of the, the bloody thing. Don't spread fear and panic and hysteria. Just try and get your sources from from the uh, from those um, first-hand sources, primary sources, and use the actual statistics, World Health Organization, wahealth.com.au, those websites, use those as your, your, your gauging stick. And yeah, man, um, it is what it is. Pretty crazy time in history, really. And um, yeah, I guess don't be a dickhead. I guess that's the main the main uh, message. Anyway, Average Man Podcast, uh, uh, episode number 65. You're my best friend. Over and out.